Welcome to another edition of Mipe Story. This is a fortnightly podcast that brings you audio versions of short story fiction from Kenya and across the continent. I'm your host, Kevin Mochiro. And on this episode, we're featuring Masirumo by Reshoke Tsui Manenje. I don't know what um, Davy told you, but I know that he was wrong on some things. Me, this is how I remember the ordeal. It started in winter. I remember because usually nothing happens in that time of the year. In 1999, something happened in winter. This is how it started. Little Samantha was born on the 10th of June. Her mother was taken to the hospital in the baki owned by old man Adam, who lived across the road from little Sammy's mother and right next to Cynthia's tavern. And this last detail of geography is perhaps the reason the news was spread so widely. Cynthia's tavern was where everything unraveled. If you wanted reliable gossip, it was there you had to purge yourself with the hope that someone would stumble their tongue into a recent scandal. I must also confess that um, sometimes we had to do the perching in relative idleness. For, as I've now said, there were times when nothing, nothing happened. In those times when nothing happened, we had to quench our boredom with Cynthia's beer and only that. Anyway, coming back to the story. It was a simple thing. The birth of Samantha. By the time all the supper dishes in the village were washed, she had been named and nursed twice by her mother. It was no secret that um, her father wanted a son. He was, um, after all, a man whose ancestors had burdened him with four other daughters. Perhaps there was a wrong he had uh, done, a wrong he must atone for, and perhaps he could gain a son after um, this atonement. But just then, in June of 1999, when everyone agreed that the times were becoming strange and it was whispered that perhaps his wife's womb had been corrupted by the long years she had lived in Johannesburg, little Samantha's father was saddled with five daughters. There are people who still believe that he did not see it as a tragedy. <laughs> that uh, when the next morning came, it so happened that the girl he had not wanted had died sometime um, in the middle of the night. That same Saturday, old man Adam drove his backy back to the clinic and returned with the bereaved parents. It was a sad thing to watch them walk into that humble house of theirs. Old man Adam was found in the tavern that night, 
telling tales of how, well, before he had depleted the fare he received for his trouble of transporting the dead child from the clinic, how he had submitted himself to comforting the bereaved. Dead. Dead, said old man Amos, who never accepted accounts of tragedy after only one telling. He thoroughly wiped the bare form from his mouth, shook his head, and once more inquired, You mean dead? Dead, dead, said old man Adam. When he had confirmed Samantha's death thrice over, old man Amos shook his head in disbelief. Though this time, the kind that indicated his acceptance of the recounting. The men gulped their beer and asked Cynthia for refills when they were done. Some months later, around the time of Christmas, when people started to forget the sordid deal of the dead child, old man Adam was found dead in his car under the bridge. It was said that he had been drunk the previous night and that he had no business driving. He had been had babbling stories about going to the police. But um, old man Adam was known for talking for the sake of talking when he was drunk. And so his death was only mourned by obligation. And because he was estranged from his kin, he was not laid to rest in the yard of his ancestors but near little Samantha's grave. Then, Ralph Spanner, a man of no front teeth, yet who, if there was meat that need to be chewed to nothing, he was the one to call. Him, Ralph Spanner. He said that deep in the night, he had the cries of a baby near old man Adam's grave. Yo! That man was never afraid of stumbling his tongue into hard things. He said these things without fear. Because some of us were older and maybe wiser. We greeted his tactlessness with silence. But Raf Spanner, being Raf Spanner, defied our shining by repeating his tactlessness more loudly. Right there, he said, right near the grave. In the night, I'm telling you, in the night, I heard the cries of the baby. They weren't cries, corrected Cynthia, who was often obligated to conform to decency as several scandals were prone to unfold themselves in the crowded dinginess of her tavern. There were screams of a child, she elaborated. I heard it with my own ears. Strange things are happening everywhere. I'm thinking that we had the screams of a child. Feeling that the mystery injected by Cynthia was causing his own story to slip away from him, Ralph Spanner was compelled to make far-fetched amendments to his recalling. And so, in his renewed telling, he not only thoroughly disagreed with Cynthia's account of things, but with his own earlier telling. It was near old man Adam's house, he said. And they want screams or cries. You don't know what you heard. We were all half drunk and we had a cut. 
to this, Cynthia placed her hands on her hips and started her rebuttal. Yo! came her cry. You, Raspana, in the years you have sat here to drink my beer, have you had a cat anywhere near it, eh? Now this is where I think Davy might tell the details differently. He says that Raspana resumed his argument by first pointing out to Cynthia that once she sold her beer, the beer no longer belonged to her, but to whomever had bought it. Davy said too that um, hearing this mild insult being flung at her face caused Cynthia to banish Raspana from the tavern for the remainder of the holidays. Firstly, there is no sense in this since Cynthia is known for loving money and she would never chase a customer from her tavern. The second reason I will tell you shortly because I must start by finishing the story that brought you here. The way I remember it, Raspana said this to Cynthia. That means nothing. Just because there's never been a cat near the house, that doesn't mean there will never be a cat there. And from this, a new argument about cats and where they prowled was born. Personally, I believe Cynthia's account that a child was screaming near old man Adam's grave. But the others who were in the tavern, the others believed that a baby was crying there. You might sit here and now and say, well, what's the difference? The difference is that we're talking about 1999 here. Strange things were happening everywhere. You know, we found a mutilated child near the river once. It was the new millennium. People thought the world was ending. I'm not trying to make excuses for the ungodliness that was happening. But people thought the world was ending. They were trying to buy their way into some kind of um, afterlife. Don't ask me how. I don't know. I don't know. But that's what people did. So, a child screaming. It wasn't a far-fetched thing in those days. But a baby, a baby, a baby was a hard thing to imagine near a grave. First, you had to ask yourself, how did the baby get there in the middle of the night? Eh? You see, a child made sense. Actually, it was also strange. Eh? Hmm. But children sometimes go where they are not supposed to go. It was easy to see how something like that could happen, you, you, you know? But a baby, a baby was something else. Anyway, the child, the baby or cat, it was something to frighten us when we were sober. It looks small now, but in 1999, it made you think. Rough Spanner who was naturally more diligent than the rest of us, quickly appointed himself as chief investigator in the matter. Twice? No, I'm thinking. It was three times. No, 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 no. Hold on. He was dedicated, that man. Eh? Anyway, more than twice, I think. He told me, personally. He told me that his grandfather had been a shaman 
Masiru humo. Masiru humo. I know these things, he whispered. What if old man Adam's house is haunted? It might be that Ralph Spanner wanted to upstage Cynthia by sowing more mysteries into the story. I don't think it mattered to him whether there was a ghost rising from the grave or a cat simply obliging its own nature by prowling during ungodly hours. Ralph Spanner was so committed to his role as a diligent gossip monger that he didn't listen to what I told him. You, Ralph Spanner, I said, don't start troubles you won't know how to fix. If you say there's a ghost rising from old man Adam's grave, then you're saying he has not rested in peace. And if he has not rested in peace, you must point your finger to the witch who has bewitched old man Adam's spirit to make it linger in this world. Feeling that the phlegm was collecting in my throat, and spatted through the corner window of Cynthia's tavern. By then, I found that my thirst had returned and so drank from my glass. I returned to Ralph Spanner. Have you found this which you speak of? I said. Hey, tell me. Do you know a witch who can turn the ghost of an old man into the screams of a child, or the crying of a babe, or the mewling of a cat? Because if you cannot produce this witch for prosecution, people's fingers will turn to you. It is you who will be the witch. Also, you, Raspana, why have you come here to invite me into your conspiracy? Seeing the wisdom of my words as he himself put it to me, he could not continue to whisper the unwisdoms he had concocted. Only days later, it turned out that Ralph Spanner's epiphany, which I had seen flicker in the redness of where his eyes should have been white, was um, rather shallow. I had whispers delivered to my own ears by old man Amos that old man Adam's house was haunted. Who told you this? I say to old man Amos. Hanging his head with foreboding, old man Amos coughed Raspana's name as the answer. What could I do after that, eh? The village was humming with the news that old man Adam did not die peacefully. And it was concluded from this that since he was buried near a child, he somehow channeled her spirit to tell his secret. What the secret was? No one knew, but there was a secret to be told, whether sinister or benevolent, everyone agreed. As confirmation, Raspano was heard provoking his ancestors. If the old man died in a natural way, then I will give my own life, he said. So it came as no surprise that just two weeks after the death of old man Adam, Ralph Spanner was found dead behind Cynthia's tavern. Otherwise, untroubled by the unfolding of events, old man Amos was suddenly startled by Ralph Spanner's fate. First, not believing that Ralph Spanner had simply died, then 
not believing that the death, if it had, in fact, occurred, was natural. He withered even further into his drunkenness. At this point, as we gather to lament this latest tragedy, Cynthia suddenly abandoned the role of Raphspanner's antagonist to assume that of old man Amos's consoler. It was his time, she said. Perhaps, and I say this as a friend, but perhaps, because Cynthia was a hard woman, her words and their intended soothing did not lift the old man's walls. Old man Amos was found dead in his bed the next day. Now, I must tell you the second reason Davy's version of events is definitely false. He said that Cynthia's illness ate into her body very swiftly in an unnatural way. That she succumbed to the same mystery that creeped upon the old men Amos and Adam and Ralph Spanner. If that is true, how do you explain my longevity? Here, I think I have an answer. I think Davy's interpretation of things was incomplete. Wait, wait. Perhaps uh, I should tell you things in a better order. Let me start here. According to Davy, anyone who became entangled in the tragedy of little Samantha, either by their will or not, soon succumbed to death. To support this, he claimed that Cynthia called a shaman to her tavern to perform a cleansing. In doing this, Cynthia acknowledged a curse that had lingered from little Sammy's death. This was the way Davy put it to me. How do you name a child who has lived only minutes? He moaned. How do you tether a life to such a burden? That cursed man. I knew that there he spoke of little Samantha's father, for by then, Nearly everyone agreed that little Sammy's father could be blamed for the saga. If not completely, then enough to cast him and his family from the village. That cursed man, said Davy. In his anger he provoked his ancestors. Oh, that man has cursed us. I will concede that in some ways, Davy was right. After all, as I've told you, Cynthia was called home by her ancestors shortly after we buried old man Amos. From there, Davy, being a man of the law, and perhaps, along with other younger men, growing tired of assuming the role of gravedigger more permanently than he was used to, Davy was unsettled with the quick succession of deaths. We were all tired of the dying. But Davy, um, have I told you that Ruff Spanner was a maternal uncle to Davy? Yes, Ruff Spanner was a maternal uncle to Davy. You can say that when Ruff Spanner died, Davy suddenly discovered that the maternal bond that had so weakly tied him to Ruff Spanner 
had not, after all, prevented him from inheriting his uncle's diligence. We were all tired of the dying. But, by way of his diligence, Davy was perhaps more tired than all of us. And as I've said, being a man of the law, he took it upon himself to untangle the matter of the baby, or child, or cat. And soon after that, with sombre obligation, and without surprise, we buried Davy himself. And his death, as far as I know, and I think you will agree with me here, Davy's death was the last to be tied to the tragedy of little Samantha. With all that I have told you, you could ask yourself, after Davy's death, had the grave of old man Adam grown quiet? Have other people not taken it upon themselves to sustain the whispers ignited by Raph Spanner all those years ago when he spoke of hauntings? Has the curse slunk away? These things I cannot say. What I can say is this. I need your help. I think that without meaning to do so, I have now entangled myself in these tragedies I have narrated to you. I know you are a low man. But my entanglement is not in the way that Davy once suggested. I called you here because your mother was a shaman. Now once had a rumor that you inherited the gift from her. Don't worry. We won't have to interpret the ordeal from the beginning. Half the job has been done for us. I think that Ruff Spanner and Cynthia solved the mystery of those deaths, of their own deaths, before the deaths themselves unfolded. Somehow, they solved the thing. But they died before they could warn us. Yes, they solved it. Hmm. You see, last week, as I walked home from the tavern that used to be Cynthia's, and I passed old man Adam's grave, I had a thing that sounded, um, as I listened more closely, like um, the cries of a, of a baby. I'm afraid. Huh? You see, I want to know what, um, I want to know what you think. Do you think because I have had this thing that uh, I have reached the end? Masirumo by Resuketri Manenje. Resuketri is an engineer who works in mining research, but sometimes she's a storyteller. She has won the 2019 Writivism Short Story Prize and the 2020 Diane Debut Fiction Award and she was the first runner-up for the 2019 Collins LSE 
Prize for Fiction. Her short stories and poems have appeared in the Kalahari Review, Fireside Fiction, Fire, and the 2017 Soul Plucky European Anthology, among others. If you happen to meet her, please ask about her debut novel from Jakana Media. It's called Scatterings, and she's sure you'll love it. Nipe's story is available to download wherever you get your podcast from. Please write a review, rate, and share the podcast with your people. You can follow us here on SoundCloud, on Facebook, we are Nipe Story, and on Twitter, our handle is at Nipe underscore story. Be well, be safe. Nipe Story is a finger piano production. <laughs>